Well, Gary, thank you for those kind words. Good morning. And uh, honoured to, to meet you and hear you. Um, and for speaking uh, extemporaneously. Well done. Um, how many of us have trouble with our memories? The trouble is we forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. Let me ask you, um, can you remember the name of your teacher in grade four or grade five? Wow. So some said, how many, you could see, I remember. Some of you that don't remember immediately, maybe while I'm speaking, their name will come back to you. <laughs> and worse than that, some of you late tonight, <laughs> maybe early morning, you will wake up with a name. Some of us, it's been erased forever. This is how it works. Uh, in our memories, there are these filing cabinets and a little man that keeps them orderly. And, uh, of course, the older you get, the more filing cabinets you have and the longer it takes the little man to find them, find the file. He can be so noisy at night, he keeps you awake. Unbeknown to the man with the filing cabinet is another little man that lives in our memory who operates a shredder. When the guy with the filing cabinet isn't looking, he will run over, grab some files and shred them forever. Anybody say, Jeremy, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and maybe this is why David writes in Psalm 103, forget not all his benefits. Never forget to remember what God has done. In fact, this is a classic psalm. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let everything within me bless his name. It sounds like he is a runner, you know, straining for the tape or like a, an athlete hurling the discus, or a singer taking a deep breath to reach that high note, or, or a spectator standing tiptoe to see, you know, what is happening. And David is saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget his benefits. He's saying, I have tasted some of the greatest victories, and I've experienced some of the deepest joys, and I've known the highest purpose in life. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So what are his benefits? David then goes on to tell us what they are. And he says, he forgives all our iniquities. We have been forgiven and everyone needs forgiveness. We need forgiveness for what we've done and said uh, the things that we now regret saying and doing. Things that if we had our life over again, we would not have done and said. And the primary reason for David's singing is because he has experienced God's forgiveness. And oh, how God forgives. He doesn't just forgive. 
he forgets what we have done. Uh, he, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He places our sin behind his back, out of sight, gone forever. Uh, if we had pen and ink, if you remember those days, the Bible talks about that he would blot out our sin. We would say nowadays that he would press the delete key. But th th this is the wonderful truth. Nothing is sweeter than forgiveness. When I wrote that, I thought, mm, not quite true. Because when you pass on your forgiveness to others, it's actually an even greater sweetness. And so we have forgiveness, and then we have wholeness. Uh, he heals all our diseases. We live in a broken world. The terrible disease of COVID that is ravaging our world. We don't see it in Adelaide. We, we don't see it in Australia. Do you know that in the last week, India has had more new cases than the population of Adelaide. That's beyond our understanding. But if you think that's just the disease overseas, we have diseases in Australia called depression, bitterness, resentment, violence, violence against women and children. And we were all horrified at the events at the, at the Whispering War. You know, what, what, what would drive a person to that terrible act? We live in a broken world. But the wonderful news of Christianity and the gospel is that God can heal the scars of the past. To forgiveness and wholeness is added the lift of redemption because he redeems our life from destruction. He lifts me from the pits. There's help when you're in a hole. Uh, I'm sure you know that many people are quick to give you advice, particularly if you're the mayor or the local member, that they'll give you advice. Not too many help you. Not too many weed the garden. <laughs> that, that, if you put that picture on Facebook, you, you, you should do, definitely. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't just want advice. I want someone who will get alongside of me and lift me. Religion is man reaching up to God. But Christianity is the hand of God reaching down to us. When we were in the pits of brokenness that humanity experiences, I, the good news is this. There is no pit that is too deep that the hand of God cannot reach. And then he crowns you. The picture, we go from the pit to the palace. We were so low, but he lifts us so high. That's the God we serve. Rebels become royalty. Sinners become uh, uh, saints. Those bankrupt in life are now crowned with love and compassion. Yes, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then he satisfies you. Your life is complete. Blessings overflow. We have everything we need. Uh, we are young in heart and in mind. We're strengthened and renewed and restored. Oh, don't forget all his benefits. 
there's forgiveness and wholeness. We've been lifted. We have been, uh, the position in our life has been reversed. We are completely fulfilled. And these are compelling reasons why I am a Christian because of God's forgiveness and his wholeness that he brings and the purpose that he adds to our life and experiencing God's love and compassion. Don't forget these things. Never take them for granted. This idea of remembering is the very core of Anzac Day. Those three poignant words, lest we forget. Forget what? The battles that were fought and the sacrifices that were made and the freedom that was won and the values that were forged. When we understand our history, we are better prepared to discover our destiny. Appreciating yesterday helps us understand today and plan for tomorrow. Looking back with gratitude enables us to look forward with confidence. If you don't know where you've come from, you have no idea where you are going. One of the most uh, somber incidents in my life was when I visited Auschwitz. Auschwitz is a small town in southwest Poland. It was the site of one of the dreadful concentration camps, murder camps that the Nazis inflicted upon humanity. In Auschwitz, 1.1 million Jews were murdered, along with 120,000 Poles and anybody else that Hitler didn't like, including uh, gypsies, homosexuals, anybody that had a mental or physical disability, they were exterminated. And it was a somber time. I remember walking through the, the entrance and here is a large marble plinth and etched onto the marble are these words. Uh, they have been spoken many times, but this is what it says. Those who learn nothing from history are doomed to repeat it. So on this day, at the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. But what do we remember? What events in Australia's history do we need to remember? What are the dates we should never forget? Well, the 25th of April, 1915, that day is etched in Australia's history probably more than any other date uh, in our history, when some 50,000 Australian and New Zealanders landed at what is now known as Anzac Cove. 2,000 died that first day. And over the next few months, more than 10,000 Anzacs lost their lives. Another 18,500 were wounded. Now, if you do the maths, 50,000 it's something like 60% were either killed or wounded, but every one of them scarred forever. And as you pointed out to us, they were all volunteers. They weren't conscripted. They chose to enlist. And on the 25th of April, the Anzac legend was born. Our nation was forged. And those words, Anzac, Gallipoli, 
are powerful names that, that still bring 106 years later, it brings a lump to the throat and a tear to the eye and immense proud that I am and you are Australian. Another date we need to remember is just a few weeks after, and it's the 19th of May, 1915. And one of the legends of Gallipoli was John Simpson Kirkpatrick. Uh, he, he was an unusual man. Uh, he was from uh, the north of England. He'd come here uh, on a ship and then had deserted the ship and not long later joined as a volunteer as a stretcher bearer never carried a weapon into battle. For four weeks, uh, Simpson led his donkey. Anybody know his name? Duffy. The donkey Duffy and Simpson into no man's land where they scoured the dunes and gullies, gullies of Gallipoli looking for the wounded. It's been estimated that he, he saved more than 300 men in those four weeks, loading them onto his donkey, taking them back to the uh, somewhat safety of the beach until one day Duffy returned alone and they found the body of Simpson dying from machine gun wounds. Why should we remember Simpson? Because his actions shaped the idea of Aussie mateship. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Simpson's actions are the greatest expression of Aussie mateship. It's two years later, the 31st of October, 1917, and taking part at Gallipoli with the Australian light horse, without the horses. They later were served in Palestine where a remarkable incident occurred. The Turks were in control of Gaza and next to Gaza the wells at Beersheba. Now you say, how, that interests us because those wells were first dug by Isaac 4,000 years before. Now whoever controls the water in a war will actually win that war. And so they had to, uh, you know, gain control of Gaza and the wells. What happened is legendary because the uh, Australian light horse uh, conducted a charge with the rising sun behind them that momentarily blinded the enemy. They galloped under the guns to the point where they were able then with bayonets to take control of the wells and uh, take control of Gaza. If you've seen the movie, it is stirring. What really interests us is that this led to the freeing of Jerusalem from Turkish control. For more than a thousand years, the Turks had owned Jerusalem and had forbidden Jews to live there. There is a classic picture of the British General Allenby walking into Jerusalem surrounded by men on horseback from the Australian light horse. Fascinating times. If we move to the Second World War, 
The 10th of April, 1942, began the siege of Tobruk. It lasted for eight months when 14,500 diggers really did dig in. The German propaganda declared that they were rats in a hole and the name stuck. And rather than being derogatory, it became the epitome of grit and determination. Between April and August of that year, there were 593 air raids. If you do the maths, that's five a day. And I don't mean a plane, but there would have been squadrons of bombers and uh, uh, whatever the Luftwaffe had that tried to prize the rats out of their hole. 4,000 Aussies were wounded, 940 captured, 748 killed. But it was actually the first time that the German Blitzkrieg, Blitzkrieg failed in an attack because they were defeated by resolute men who held their ground with incredible courage. When I worked for Veterans Affairs, one of the men in the office was a rat of Trebrook. Quiet man, happy man, one-legged man. He said he was sitting on a, on a, on a stack of uh, sandbags and he saw, the, he saw the shell coming and took his leg off. He didn't seem worried about it years later. Glad to be alive. Another rat of Trebrook was uh, Tom Jackson. He was part of our church in Marion, in Adelaide. Quiet man, happy man, resolute man. Because the rats of Tobruk demonstrated incredible resilience, determination, persistence. They were the original Aussie battlers, not giving in. July 1942 records the first land victory over the Japanese in the Pacific. It took place on the Kokoda track when 5,000 Japanese were held back by 400 Aussie diggers in the most horrific of conditions. It didn't win the war, but it stopped the imminent threat of invasion of Australia. The Kokoda track is a single file path, nearly 100 kilometers long. It climbs over the Owen Stanley Ranges in Papua New Guinea. It climbs as high as uh, two and a half thousand meters. It's three times the height of Mount Lofty. Hot, humid days, intensely cold nights, torrential rain, the danger of tropical disease. And the national Papua New Guineans sided with the Aussies and they risked their lives to save the wounded. They were called the Fuzzy Wuzzy Angels, which is quite politically incorrect. To them, it was a mark of esteem. And to us, it's a mark of friendship. Papua New Guinea needs our friendship today, by the way, because they too are being ravaged by COVID. Slide, uh, the next slide is, is the 18th of August, 1966, and Vietnam. The Vietnam War raises all kinds of emotions. 521 Australians gave their lives. 200 of those were conscripts, national servicemen. But the pain of Vietnam 
continues to this day. The 60s were scary times. That's the 1960s, Pastor. I know we look old, but it was... Anybody remember the, the 60s? All you need is love. And to avoid your birthday coming out of the barrel. My birth date went in the barrel. Anybody here that said, oh, I remember those days. They were, for our grandchildren, they can't understand it. On the 18th of August, 1966, there is a famed battle at Long Tan where a regiment of Viet Cong attacked an Australian position. It's estimated that there were two and a half thousand Viet Cong and 100 Aussie diggers from 6RAR who refused to be defeated, part of the Anzac legend. So at the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them, not to glorify war, but to realize that men and women have actually forged our nation. These are the legends and our history. They fashioned our nation, and we will not forget them. We cannot forget them. But now I need to step back into a date that I will never forget. It's August 1916, and the Battle of the Somme between British, French, Australian forces and the German army. The battle lasted for four months along the River Somme in northeast France. More than one million were killed or wounded. That, that blows your mind, doesn't it? You know, it's nearly the population of Adelaide killed or injured. It's one of the deadliest battles in the history of mankind. It was during this battle that a young British corporal, along with two other soldiers, was assigned a task of moving some munitions across the battlefront. They were hit by an enemy shell and blown into pieces. Their bodies placed on a pile of dead, waiting to be buried. An Australian medical orderly, Bert Smith from Brisbane, was preparing bodies for burial and noticed that the corporal was alive, though horrifically injured. His right leg had been blown away. Uh, he'd lost an eye and much of his left hand and arm. They moved him to a field hospital where amazingly he survived. The corporal was awarded the military medal, which is for bravery in battle. It's not an uncommon story to hear of somebody left for dead to be later in battle found to be alive. But the reason why it's important to me and my family is that that young British corporal was my grandfather. So when I read the line out of Psalm 103, he redeems your life from destruction. It reminds me of my grandfather, taken out of a pile of dead and recovered. My, dad, my granddad became a Christian later in life. 
a lasting memory I have as of him singing a hymn. Would you like me to sing it or read it to you? <laughs> sing it? Help me, Rhonda, help me. This was the song. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hands, he lifted me. From shades of night to realms of light. Oh, praise his name, he lifted me. You see, God was working in my life two generations before I was born. But not only mine, not only my life. Because that British corporal, his father becomes, a, his son becomes a minister. And both his sons become a minister. And even though we were born in England, that British corporal's descendants have nine pastors and ministers in Australia. The, the Australian who saved my granddad could not have envisaged that one day his descendants would affect the lives of multiple thousands of Australians. Lest we forget. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer. I want to invite you to put your hand over your heart and pray with me. Father, today we pray for our world, this broken world, this COVID-ridden world. Many of us have loved ones overseas. We pray today for their safety, their protection, and we pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray that you'll give wisdom to our leaders. We pray that you'll give skill to our medical people. That, Lord, let there be an end to this. We pray for our nation this great Southland of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Australia. We thank you for the freedoms that we have. We pray for your grace and your favor to be outpoured upon us, upon the cities and the country areas, upon our indigenous people, upon every strata of society. We pray for our government and parliaments. We ask for wisdom and strength for our leaders. We pray for Scott Morrison, for Stephen Marshall, and we pray for your blessing on their lives. We pray for our servicemen and women who are serving at home and overseas. We ask for your protection and strength for them. We pray for our families, near, far, interstate, overseas. You are with them, Lord. May all of them know you. We ask for peace in our homes protection over our children and our grandchildren. We think of that lady, Lord, uh, who lost her child this last week or so, that particularly you'll be gracious to her. And Lord, we, we pray, as we put our hands on our heart, we are praying that you will keep our hearts soft and responsive to you. Take away all hardness, Lord. Take away any, um, anything that would say things don't matter. Jesus, we need you. We need you in our lives. 
And we invite you to sit in the driving seat of our life. We don't want you as a passenger. We're not going to put you in a boot. We're not going to bring you out on Sunday and take you to church. Jesus, we want you in the driving seat on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, at home, at work, wherever we may be. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.